and welcome to Shift F1, a podcast about speedy race cars. That, of course, is Italian, if you couldn't tell from my excellent Italian accent, for <laughs> everything makes broth. Uh, Whoa, or... jeez, that is dark. <laughs> what, what do you mean? It means uh, every, makes... every, every little thing counts. Oh, okay. It's, it's, it's not like a sort of a cannibalism expression or something. <laughs> you know, like, hey, at the end of the day, everything makes broth. It's true. You don't watch uh, out, joining you're me. going in the broth. Exactly. <laughs> That's Danny O'Dwyer. How are you, Danny? I'm good. Uh, should I test out my American accent now? Now that we are <gasps> all three officially. That's right. F- Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you very much. I am American now, bro. As a, I am as American as a, as a bald eagle. As, I am as American as apple pie. I am as American as uh, low taxes. I, am, <laughs> I got my immigration uh, uh, sorted. Last week, I had to do the test as well. Wow how did how did it how did it go? The test is laughably easy. Um, there's like it comes from a pool of a hundred questions. So if you just learn the hundred questions, you're fine. And then they ask you ten, and you just have to get six right. And I got like six in a row. So, so what did, what were like the questions you got? Oh, if you want, I remember them. I can literally yeah. ask you guys right now if you want. Okay, well, that, that is that is Rob Zachney, by the way. Should I, should I ask Rob? Uh, yeah, I'm test? curious. Let's let's find out if I uh, if I still if you, uh, like if I could naturalize. <laughs> okay, let's see if Rob is going to be an American by the end of this podcast. Uh, name a Native American tribe, uh, like Iroquois, but that's Confederation. But I think I would be able to slide by on that. I don't know if that's one. There's a list of like 15 of them uh, they have on the list. So yeah, Jerk. Yeah, okay, cool. Uh, what is the political party of the current president? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Democrat, yeah. If the president can't be president, who is the president? Uh, Kiefer Sutherland. <laughs> uh, what's the capital of uh, California? Oh, it's uh, Sacramento, right? Yeah, okay, fair play. He's not he's not from around these parts, so he's still got that. And the last two I'm trying to think. All right, gets a little bit oh, sticky here. Oh, is it here. different based on where you're taking the test? Like if you yeah, were... Because there's some states are, that could trip you up. 100, but dude, like, like in Florida? Uh, Washington as well. What's Florida's? Oh, uh, I always forget because their capital is like in a swamp. Like literally it is. Is it Tallahassee? Yeah. Is it? I think so. God. Uh, Washington State's is Olympia. Right. Mm. Which, Where you're like, like, that's not the real. town outside of Seattle. Yeah, it's, it's, it's weird. Sacramento is a bit weird too because you would think like, you know, Los Angeles, Oakland, San Jose. Love, no, you know, gotta San gotta Francisco. make sure the Central Valley is Bakersfield. Well yeah, good point. It should be Stockton. Um, uh, two more questions. I'm trying to remember them. Uh, how many people in the House of Representatives? That's that's where it gets a bit tricky. Uh, Four hundred thirty-five. Oh, he's so good though. He's so good. Mm. He knew that off by. Would you have known would that? Not have gotten, no, no, no. Yeah, my oh. wife didn't either. She said like five hundred, and then I can't remember the last one. Yeah, but you, you know what's you, wild I though. Think you think about it. like how huge the House of Commons, for instance, is in the UK. <laughs> for like a much smaller country and then the u.s is just like 435 is all there ever should be uh to you, represent could, you could argue two parties or one person in charge of you know 400 million or whatever see i can say this shit now i can criticize it because it's my country <laughs> right. you know what i think they should do here more formula one races I <laughs> uh, couldn't agree more. If you are new to this podcast a very warm welcome to you and if you're new to formula one itself welcome partner 
Uh, we, uh, we've got a podcast just for you. The preseason primer episode assumes no prior F1 knowledge and explains how the sport works and who everybody is. So if you want to get a nice base going to your stock uh, before you throw in your, your, your noodles, uh, this year's primer is episode 137. <laughs> Uh, also, the show is supported entirely by our audience over at patreon.com slash shiftf1, where every month we release bonus podcasts and videos exclusively for our patrons uh, that cover racing documentaries and films, F1 video games, experiments with other racing series, and a lot of weird things. So if you'd like to support the show and get access to all that fun stuff, head over to patreon.com slash shiftf1 or click the link in the show notes. What do we have going on this month, Danny? Uh, this month is a uh, an interesting one. Uh, it's another m- movie that has appeared on Netflix, kind of like Drive to Survive, which we usually start the season with reviewing. Um, the Schumacher documentary is going up on Netflix, I believe globally, tomorrow on September 15th. So uh, we are Today, going to- if you are listening to this on release day. Right, of course. Uh, so stop this podcast and go watch the movie. Um, so we will be reviewing it uh, a week from today. Um, so you'll 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 get it some stage in the next seven or to ten days. You've got plenty of time to watch the documentary before listening to the three of us uh, chew it out and talk about it and stuff. Um, we will be back to track walks as well. I had a little bit of you know, obviously I was away. I think I didn't get spad on beforehand, and then the immigration stuff actually it kind of appeared out of nowhere last week. Uh, I didn't. <laughs> Yeah, I because I was away and then the letter had come and all that stuff, so it kind of threw my. The week citizenship off, so fairy is known for like just appearing, and when she it's, arrives, you yeah. just have to respond. You must board. The the ship is leaving for America right now. It's it's a bit like you, the Fay, really. Like so, you know, <laughs> like there's the she in Ireland, but in the United States, obviously, like uh, the portal opens, the veil lifts, and you go have to go get naturalized. Exactly. Come away, come through. away, human child. <laughs> Come be an American. Um, so yeah, we'll we'll be back to track walks uh, for everyone's favorite track, Sochi. Um, <laughs> and now okay. much longer. So. Oh, you're right. That's true. God, yeah. How, how many years are we left in Sochi? I, Just a couple, like, right? I think they're already building the replacement facility, right? Yeah. So, so I'll have to look that they're, up. I they're retrofitting remember. it. Yeah. Yeah. If it's the if it's this year or next, if it's yeah. Oh man, we'll find out. I'm so um, ready for was, Sochi nostalgia. <laughs> oh no! No, now I'm already getting nostalgic. No, about we're not going to go around the big central ring anymore. The only remember we're not going to hear about the the 2014 Winter uh, Paralympics and Olympic Games anymore. Um, we're not. The only thing I ever remember is um, uh, what's his face crashing into everyone. Oh, <laughs> give, uh, me uh, <laughs> give me I've already forgotten his name. The Sorry. torpedo. The torpedo sitting somewhere having Christmas on his own with a bottle of vodka. <laughs> Uh, we are not alone, though. We are supported by beautiful people over at patreon.com slash shift one, including our terrific title sponsors, Jason Kelly, Will Rumpf, Umberto Roca, Troy Stammer, Circuit Demon. My lips are just, I can't wait for that bottle of wine. Reagan, Sam G, Connor McManners, Joel Roberts, Abraham Getchell, Jason Chadwick, Abdullah Althani, Bailey Foot, BPM, who went, well, that's a bit of a spoiler, actually. Um, but it's got papayas monza and brilliant in it so i guess i just said it anyway uh drew stewart mo simon villeneuve a good old dog david mule joshua hayne tractor share gnarly goat and veal shanks stick that in your stew your broth boy veal shanks one of england's least successful kings 
<laughs> I was going to go with a Jeff Minter joke, but I like that one better. Um, all right. Well, we've got a lot to get to, uh, not least of which th- this is a sprint weekend, everyone. So the the qualifying session resulted in the sprint grid, which looked a little like this. Valtteri Botas on top of the sprint, having uh, dominated qualifying uh and i think a lot of practice sessions too is that because uh, he, the new uh power unit we think could be so he he has taken a new power unit so despite all of his efforts um in these in the pre-race sessions he will start from the back of the grid but no less he uh started at the front for the sprint behind or in front of lewis hamilton uh and max verstappen in third then we've got lando norris daniel ricardo Pierre Gasly, Carlos Sainz, Charles Leclerc, Sergio Perez, and Antonio Giovinazzi qualifying 10th. Way to go, Gio. Uh, Then Sebastian Vettel, Lance Stroll, Fernando Alonso, Esteban Ocon, George Russell, Nicholas Latifi. Uh, Yuki Tsunoda had a lap time deleted in uh, his Q1 session that would have gotten him to Q2, but he went wide at turn 11. Uh, and so he went out in uh, in Q1. Uh, then behind him, Mick Schumacher, Robert Kubica, still fi- filling in for Kimi Raikkonen this weekend, and uh, Nikita Mazepin in last. Not a that, whole lot. Go ahead. Uh, not a whole lot of action in terms of qualifying, but like once again, um, the discourse around is this even safe the way we're doing qualifying at Monza? Uh, yeah. Because we had like a kind of scary near miss with unsafe releases in the pit lane. Um, mm-hmm. And there were so many at one point that like, I'm not even sure they were handing penalties out for it. But like, I think an Aston Martin mechanic had to scurry out of the way of their first car because uh, there's a little bit of a traffic jam coming out in the lane uh, and, and hold up the second car. And so like you had the routine like weird Monza procession as everyone's jockeying uh, for that for that good toe because um, you're really not competitive un- unless you get it. And it does kind of seem like if if F1 is open to like trying different formats with things, I do question whether this form of qualifying suits Monza uh, very well because the entire mm-hmm. thing is coming down to cars getting a toe. If it's going to be this ridiculous, might as well go back to old qualifying where you get four fast laps or whatever and you just have to go get it done uh, on an empty track that seems safer and probably more entertaining than watching these guys uh like have road rage incidents yeah i mean as long as we are we're clearly f1 is opened to having different races have different style weekends with the sprints and stuff like even if even if they fully adopt sprints the plan is not to do sprints for every weekend it's only for ones that, where it would make sense um uh, yeah i think that that or like formula e does it where it's you get one lap and you better make it good and that is your qualifying time that could also i don't know that well if it's the, the temple of speed right like why put traffic out there just let her rip yeah yeah it's very it's like a scientific measurement too it's you know remove all other factors um so we had another sprint not a whole lot happened there either hamilton had a a a poor start he blamed it on a a mistake he made with um the clutch um he lost two places um uh, botas got away well and uh finished in first 
Um, although, as we said, he'll he'll start from the back. Ricardo um, uh, mugged sort of everyone there, Norris as well, because there was a bit of, because Hamilton's start was so poor. Um, there was a, it ended up being like a what side of the track did you start on, McLaren? Um, you know, going into the first turn, uh, and uh, Ricardo ended up because he 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 qualified behind Lando, right? So he ended up having him. I think did he get in front of him there? Um, but yeah, but the big action was what happened to poor Gasly. Yeah, he he did so well in qualifying. He started the uh, the sprint in sixth place. Um, but One here he, last year. That's right. Yes, of course. Um, but he he tagged the back of Ricardo into turn one and damaged his own front wing, which caused him to careen off at Curva Grande. Just did not have the downforce uh, to make the turn and uh, gobble, it gobbled him. Actually, it actually went under his car. Like he he lost it. Mm-hmm. That's right. He, so yeah, because the car was still responding to command, and he didn't know that. I think that wing was dangling, and then once it got under that car, it just like bye bye skidded him off. Yeah, yeah. So he yeah, but- will have to start the race from the pit lane due to a gearbox change, um, among other things, as a result of uh, damage from that crash. A tough lap for Kubica watch as well. Um, mm-hmm. I think it was it Sonoda spun him at the back. Yeah. Um, and then Sonoda also had to pit for, I think, front wing damage as well. So that's like sprint races getting like sent back to the back is just the worst because like you have no time to fix it. You know, there's no like strategy involved in getting getting to the front again. You're just kind of, oh, well, I guess I'll finish this race. Yeah, I mean, we have a lot to get to in the in the race race, but maybe later in the in the show we can sort of revisit the our our what do we think of sprints? Yeah. Um but uh yeah, I'll I'll just run down the uh the the race grid here, which is how the sprint fin- how you finish in the sprint is how you start the race. Uh, Max Verstappen again finished second to Bottas, but we'll start first cuz Bottas has that engine penalty. Um, Daniel Ricciardo will start second, followed by his teammate Lando Norris, and then Lewis Hamilton in fourth. Then we've got Charles Leclerc and Carlos Sainz. Uh, Antonio Giovinazzi started from seventh. Sergio Perez, Lance Stroll, and Fernando Alonso in the tenth spot. Then we've got Vettel, Ocon, Latifi, Russell, mm. uh, Tsunoda, Mazepin, Kubica, Schumacher. Then we've got Valtteri Bottas and Pierre Gasly starting from the pit lane. Um, Sunoda though had a, I think it was a brake issue or something that popped up just before the race started, oh, yeah. uh, which the team were unable to fix. So he unfortunately won't start the race. That's um, the second time he's had something like this happen. Did he have another DNS? He did, didn't he? Or did they rush him out? I remember. Okay. Sorry. It's ringing right, a bell. Like a, yeah. Like a, a qualifying issue. Yeah. Uh, but I feel like you he's know, had Alpha, a couple of gremlins. Alpha Tauri. An Italian team uh, would have loved to do well at uh, Monza here, and I, I, I don't, I don't know that it pops up in my notes, but Gasly also had to retire uh, at some point during the race. Around, it, it sounds like that fix was kind of winging a prayer, and it wasn't. Yeah, yeah, it did not did not go well. So bummer for them, but uh, 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 good news otherwise for us because this race had it all uh danny do you want to kick it off sure um all eyes on uh i guess the 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 
fractured nature of the championship leaders here because we've got a bunch of McLarens kind of hanging out there in the middle of it. Um, Mm -hmm. And it was interesting because early in the week, they were saying like they've got good quality pace and they've got good short race pace. But, um, you know, even though Lando and and, uh, Daniel were able to hold off the Mercedes during the sprint race, they were both pretty down on the idea that they'd be able to do it for here. But maybe they'd have a good start. So it was kind of an interesting... um, a proposition for the start of this race especially the nature of that front first corner which is a very sort of do or die um type of uh chicane the only really slow part of the entire circuit so uh off they went and right away um you had a fantastic start from uh was so Bottas has obviously now been shuffled back to the back of the grid um so ricardo second and lando starting behind verstappen uh with hamilton sort of loitering with intent behind them uh ricardo just has a solid start like it's he by the time they get to the first turn he is definitely ahead and in a decent spot on the track to take it properly and Verstappen you know probably knowing he's not racing Daniel at this stage as well doesn't overly fight it he protects well from Lando in a way I wonder if he actually prefers doing that so he pushes Lando and Hamilton together a little bit to force them to have a bit of a scuffle um, but as they get around towards Curva Grande, Ricardo's ahead. Um, Verstappen's next. Hamilton is kind of fighting Norris um, as they uh, get around to the the first turn. Uh, the first um, what's the what's that? That's not the Ascari, is it? The Ascari chicane there. Uh, there's the Variante Del Rogia and there's Ascari. Um, I, I think, think it's Del Rogia. Okay, I think. the Del Rogia second chicane. chicane. Yes, but Hamilton and Verstappen are actually uh, Verstappen get, or Hamilton gets a great toe, ends up quite close to Verstappen as they enter that one, um, and it's not the best place to overtake around the outside. <laughs> um, generally, you kind of notice what happens here uh, because of the nature of a chicane. Well, that's where Leclerc just like put the elbow out in 2019, right? Like, it's, yeah. it's real easy to aggressively defend. Yes, it's uh you can aggressively defend on as you're entering and push them really out wide, sort of on the end before you get to the turn, yep. and also in the apex, you just have to take the racing line and it forces them out into the sausage curves. Which some people do, some people don't. Depends you're overtaking. If you're overtaking Raikkonen, maybe he's a little bit wider there. If you're overtaking Max Verstappen, not so much. So Hamilton ends up uh, taking a couple of uh, little little bounces over the sausage curves, and by the time they're out of there, um, not only is uh, uh Verstappen ahead of him um but also uh, so has lando norris and in the back we have a spinner i believe it's antonio giovanazzi yeah which is a bummer because he he beat signs into the first corner and got up to sixth place um but yeah he he had to cut the chicane as hamilton did while pursuing leclerc for fifth place and when he came back onto the track drifted to the left right into the path of signs who's behind him uh, who had nowhere to go so yeah. his front right tire hits Gio's rear left and spins him. Uh, the stewards decided that it was Giovinazzi's fault, so no further action was taken. Um, Gio did, though, pit for a new front wing and got back in the race. Um, but yeah, by lap 12, Hamilton very close to Norris. Uh, again, like you said, Danny, having lost that position that he gained by going over those sausage curbs. Um, well, and with DRS... Again, ahead, did we cover the tire selection? Uh, not yet. Okay. But go ahead. Well, because this is the critical context, right? Hamilton yeah. makes a weird call at the start of the race. I think Norris actually says, that's a weird call. Uh, Hamilton started on the hards. 
Um, and so did Valtteri, but that wasn't a surprise because Valtteri's like r- trying one of those uh, from the back to the front uh, runs. And it seems to be going pretty well for him throughout all these laps. But yeah, it, it introduced this because we saw in the kind of boring sprint race, Hamilton really had no answer over a short stint for the McLarens. Like the power just wasn't there. The pace just wasn't there. But as this stint went on, like the hard started to seem like maybe the tire to be on. And it certainly looked like as those mediums sort of wore off uh, on Norris, that gap he'd been able to maintain pretty effortlessly in the sprint race seemed to be slowly winnowing down. Yeah. So again, on, on lap 12 here, Hamilton goes for the move with DRS on the start finish straight, but Norris moves to the inside to block and stays ahead through the corner, which gives Hamilton another opportunity to draw alongside through the inside of Curva Grande. This is why Monza is so great because you've got you know all these different spots you could try stuff. Um, but Norris has the inside into the next chicane, and honestly, with that advantage of the medium tires, the McLaren seems to outpole the Mercedes into that corner. So Norris uh, is also turning out to be really good on the brakes and decisively keeps uh, the place through the chicane. Uh, on lap 15, there's a tussle between Ocon and Vettel, uh, the, the former touching wheels with the ladder, coming into the second chicane and almost driving him off the track. Mm. Um, yeah. did, there's I, a reason why there's a big runoff there. This has been, this historically, it used to be um, gravel too, but this historically was a place where many a car was beached. <laughs> Um, That's right. uh, now it, it almost acts as like one of those weird little escape roads like the start of Barcelona where just in case we've got a little road you can go around make sure you go around the bollard but uh, yeah I think yeah Vettel got squeezed there but he was clever enough to keep it on the track or keep, yeah. it, keep it rolling rather so do we want to talk about the because I mean this came to Stewart's attention um, and I think it's so interesting because I certainly like I flash back to uh when Leclerc did this to Hamilton uh, a couple years ago, where uh, it was in that period where Leclerc was being really aggressive uh, on mm. defense. Um, and I remember he, he forced Hamilton out pretty far and just kind of got a warning uh, not to do that again, but nothing happened. And it's interesting here that uh, this time the stewards kind of came in pretty quickly uh, and sort of marked that as out of bounds. And it was interesting because... Ocon made that move with the 2019 Leclerc move against Hamilton in mind. He said this uh, after oh, you're the kidding. race. He was like, "That's funny." He saw like uh, the same thing happened with Charles and Lewis in 2019, and there was no action. Um, and so he was he was convinced that it would be it would be fine. And it turns out um, this was not hidden information. There was in the wake of the 2019 incident. There was a meeting of a number of stakeholders. Michael Massey confirmed this after the race. Uh, like a number of like team principals. Like it was sort of a grand council type thing convening <laughs> over, are we happy about Leclerc getting away with that move? And the answer was no. Uh, right. And so this wasn't, it wasn't fought out in the press. It wasn't like what we saw in the wake of Silverstone where like there's tons of accusations. This was kind of quietly like, hey, are we cool with this being the template? And they wow. weren't. And so coming into this, though it doesn't seem like Khan knew that, there had been agreement two years ago that if this came up again, uh, it wasn't going to fly. And it didn't. And so he ended up getting uh, a, a penalty for it that uh, he says ultimately cost him three places. 
Uh, yeah, well, um, next I have uh, lap 23. Anybody else have anything before we hit uh, the pit stops? And no. Except, All right. No. Well, Ricardo is the first one to go of the leaders. He pits from first uh, on lap 23 and comes out in seventh. Verstappen is told to do the opposite to Ricardo, and so he stays <laughs> yeah. out, um, trying his best to set a fast lap. So Don't do it, Donnie. Don't does. <laughs> right. I believe was the radio message they said. Um, yeah, so he he's trying to Verstappen's now trying to set a fast lap so that when he pits a lap later, he has made up ground on Ricardo. And already, uh, I the, think that was probably a bad call. Like Verstappen had been on the radio for ages, being like, "Don't like these tires; they don't feel good." Yeah. yeah. And so their plan, rather than shoot it out in the pits, were like even with the slowed down pit stops because you're not allowed to do a sub two second pit stop anymore. I still <laughs> yeah. feel like if I'm Red Bull. Now, this is ironic because they would have made fools of me. If I'm Red Bull, I would still trust we have the best drilled pit crew on the grid. I will beat Ricardo, my pit <laughs> crew against his. This is where I'm going to do it. Instead, they have uh, Verstappen try to like set the fat, like set a Undercut, fast time. Yeah. yeah. Um, on, on this l- one lap in clear air. And I don't think it really worked to begin with, but the whole thing was mooted. Because he has this cursed pit stop. Yeah, and just to to explain what Rob said about we're not allowed to do sub two second stops again. Uh, we we noted a um, uh, a few episodes ago about this new rule that came in trying to to prevent accidents happening in the pits. Um, I think I think the way this works is so when you ha- you there's a button on the wheel gun to say I'm done, and I think maybe some of the wheel guns do this automatically that may have also been another i think the red i think specifically the issue. red bull guns did and i think this was this was one of the reasons why there was some like uh these haters are just trying to stop red bull's <laughs> game uh because yeah. i think red bull's guns were special okay so so a ruling came down saying uh you must there must be a built-in lag time of like 0.15 seconds or something so that we can't get so that there is enough time theoretically for a human to say like oh nope that's actually we're, we're not good you can't go there's a there's like some other car coming it's just enough time for someone to have like a sanity check um so that that's what we're talking about now uh wheel guns come up in a second though because um uh Max trundles around. <laughs> yeah, so Max goes around. He, you know, I should point out that Verstappen would very much have liked to have gotten past Ricardo on the track because then he would have likely created an extended lead on the field. But while Verstappen could get close to Ricardo, he really wasn't showing an ability to make passing moves. So, you know, Ricardo was just too fast and it's Monza. Um, and so here he is trying to make it up on that um, on that pit while or that that lap while ricardo's in the pit then he comes in and it's an agonizingly slow stop as you mentioned rob and it's a weird one to watch because no one is really messing with the tire or anything the mechanics are all just kind of looking around at each other like you did okay i thought i thought i heard anti-stall kicking in but i I guess it Mm. wasn't that Um, no because the light was red yeah um and eventually the the front right mechanic retightens the his tire and that seems to fix things, and Verstappen leaves after 11.1 seconds. Killer. Killer. 
But after the race, Christian Horner, team principal of Red Bull, characterized the pit stop issue as a, quote, human error. The wheel, the front right, was done up, ready to go, and unfortunately, the car wasn't released. So, again, it's my understanding that the, the wheel guns now have an OK button on them. So perhaps that button Somebody was not pressed. Because it used to be automatic, maybe. Maybe. That'd be so oh, funny. That'd be, that'd be so funny if that came back to bite them. That's what it was. That's awful. That's some monkey paw stuff. Oh. Yes. Um, so around the same time, Hamilton, who started on the hard tire, finally does make it past Norris, who presumably has lost some pace on his medium tires um, at the second chicane. So this puts Hamilton into some clear air at the front of the field now. Uh, but then Norris pits and Hamilton soon thereafter on lap 26. Hamilton also has a slow stop, relatively, 4.2 seconds, which puts him uh, back behind Norris, but also, somewhat incredibly, puts him dead even with Verstappen as he comes out of the pits. Like, nobody saw this coming. The commentators didn't telegraph it. It was, it, it, it happened. The gods w- shook their hands and somehow uh, Verstappen had an 11 second pit and Hamilton had a four second pit yeah. and then by the time the camera cut to the one shot down the main straight we were all just like uh uh-huh. <laughs> wait I wasn't prepared for this moment I don't think either of these drivers were prepared for this moment I don't think Verstappen was expecting to see this either well I mean Rob has removed his glasses <laughs> Verstappen was seething, first of all. Like, after that stop, like, he was clearly hot under the collar uh, on the radio. But, yes, you needed, yes, there needed to be a bar bet on Olympus to put these two cars <laughs> into contact uh, coming coming into this. Because, yeah, Hamilton is painfully making his way down the pit, toward the pit exit. Verstappen's coming down. They end up in a bit of a drag race with the white line on the pit exit separating them. And from here, it all becomes a matter of interpretation. The (laughs) stewards have made their ruling. But I am curious how y'all saw. uh, Because it happens in the blink of an eye. They go in basically side by side into the chicane at the end of the start-finish straight. Hamilton forces Verstappen wide. Verstappen doesn't give ground he cuts the chicane and then you only see it on replay because in real time it just appears that somehow Verstappen whips around to the side of Hamilton and they take each other out and somehow Verstappen's car is on top of Hamilton on replay what becomes clear is that the sausage curbs on the inside of the chicane bounce the Red Bull a little bit into the air and cause the two rear wheels of the car, the right rear of the, uh, remember that's where all the power is coming from, the right rear of the Red Bull touches the left rear of the Mercedes, and like a gear, the two wheels yank the Red Bull up and over the Mercedes, and then the thing swings around like a sledgehammer, and like clips off the top of the um, uh, roll bar, on the Mercedes and appears to briefly pass over and rest on Hamilton's head. You can see his head like jammed forward in the cockpit. Uh, but most of the weight is on the halo and the uh, roll, the roll structure. And the halo as well. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
And then the two cars end up beached, and we hear Verstappen on the radio, not his best self, um, saying, this is what happens when you don't give me space. <laughs> Did he say give me space? Or leave or leave space because I I like the difference if he said give me space because it might be I'm... leave it might be leave but it was it, it it certainly sounded like talk shit get hit basically was the <laughs> yeah, was yeah. the message <laughs> and I was like did Max cause that yeah uh, so yeah just to to finish off what happens here Verstappen gets out of his car first while Hamilton Hamilton's still trying in vain to reverse and get back on the track uh that doesn't work so uh both of them um eventually get out and take separate routes back to the pits uh and we yeah we get some incredible replays it seems like every camera they had was trained on this corner um but yeah that that shot showing hamilton head-on is is sobering um that that tire comes up and it you know the halo does its job but by virtue of the fact that the tire is you know curved it can get down in and actually hit Hamilton's head. Uh, the race, the website, uh, their Twitter account tweeted some pictures of Hamilton's helmet and there is visible damage to it, which is, that's just really scary. Um, uh, w- one thing that's worth mentioning here is whatever happened with the differential when the wheels touched, uh, because that was the wheel that hit Hamilton, was that the uh, Brundle at the time, I think, highlighted the fact that Max wasn't putting anything through the throttle because the wheel wasn't spinning, thankfully, when it hit Hamilton's head. Uh, The other one was. So he was actually on the throttle. So the rear left was spinning, uh, but the rear right that hit, or maybe that's the other way around. No, yeah, um, that hit Hamilton's head for whatever reason, maybe from damage or maybe just the diff got a little bit of a shake when it got hit in the air. But thankfully, it actually wasn't spinning anymore by the time it hit Hamilton, because that could have been even more of a, you know, jerk on his head if it caught yeah. the traction of the helmet. Yeah, and so I, I think as as to who was at fault here, I, I initially assumed Hamilton had been overzealous defending here, um, you know, making drastic moves on cold tires to keep Verstappen behind, and uh, you know, even commentator Martin Brundle said at the time, watching the replay. Max hasn't done anything wrong here. Um, but for me, watching it again, Verstappen was never ahead uh, and had every opportunity to bail out. Um, yes, Hamilton could have left him more room. Uh, what did you think, Danny? So, uh, so a key element of this, which you might forget about because it happened so early in the incident, was that Hamilton was coming out of the pits and Verstappen was exiting the fastest part of this entire circuit. With a tow from Norris. With a tow from Norris as well. So he's driven down the back straight. He's taken the Parabolica, which I did forget to mention last week, was renamed Curva Alboreto after uh, Michel Alboreto, uh, who uh, had a fantastic F1 career and was part of a 1-2 But I don't think that name is going to take. Yeah, Parabolica is too good a name, but it was, uh, uh, you know, it was. it's a nice uh, a gesture to him, of course. Um the uh so so yeah max is like coming down this you know it's the hard, hardest braking zone all of that sort of stuff right so as he does before he reaches the braking zone or almost like as he's deciding where his braking point is for turn one a mercedes appears from stage right okay mm-hmm. so suddenly he's like 
oh, I'm suddenly defending this corner, I guess, going into it. Max uh, can't defend the corner because Hamilton's on the right side of the track. So his only option, actually, uh, his only race option is to carry speed around the outside. Um, Maybe a bit more speed than he would have liked to have taken into the turn, uh, which is exactly what he did. He took too much speed into this turn. So there is a decent amount of data, it looks like, to suggest that his exit speed out of turn one was too high to flat out make turn two. Oh, wow. That he that he was actually... Because he is behind right. Hamilton, well behind him going into turn one. He is past him going into turn... Like, on the outside of turn one, entering turn two. But he's carrying an, an unnatural amount of pace in doing so. So in the race, I don't think I thought, he's past him. I don't know. I don't think his tire ever. I think you're. Gets... I, I think you're right. I think from the from the shot we get from that angle, maybe uh-huh. his nose is ahead. But I think you're right. If you're looking at the track like flat, I mm-hmm. don't think he actually get. I think he's ahead of him in terms of as the crow flies to the apex of turn two. Yeah, you know what I mean? The corner. Yeah. Yeah, because he's cutting it. So he's yeah. like. So he looks ahead, <laughs> even though I, I hear he's not actually ahead. If you're looking at the track as like a flat plane, um. So yeah. In that scenario, a lot of times what you would do is is bail out, right? But of course, he's not thinking about bailing out of that corner. He's he's kind he's of Max in Verstappen, the w- and that's Lewis Hamilton. Yeah, exactly. And he's in the window of of actually making this overtake work. He probably yeah. doesn't maybe recognize immediately that he's carrying too much pace, and also he's had to make this decision like out of nowhere. He was not. A, I don't. I don't think even Red Bull could have told him that. Lewis had had a slow enough stop that it was going to spit him out on top of him. Like, it's it's such a last-minute thing. So, to, for me, Hamilton obviously didn't aggressively defend into turn one. Uh, did he leave room on the entrance to turn two? No, but I don't think he has to. And also, uh, Max is basically careening into him. Like, he's he's... He's, there's nothing he can do about it. So the way the, who wants to take the stewards is on this because the steward basically looked. Yeah, so the stewards kind of looked at this as one corner, right? Yeah. So um, I have a quote here from the stewards. They, I'm going to replace they. Whenever they rule, they say like car 33 and car 34. So I'll just replace <laughs> them here. Um, in the opinion of the stewards, Verstappen's maneuver was attempted too late for Hamilton to have uh i'm sorry verstappen's maneuver was attempted too late for verstappen to have the right to racing room while hamilton could have steered further from the curb to avoid the incident the stewards determined that his position was reasonable and therefore find that the driver of car 33 max verstappen was predominantly to blame for the incident not wholly there was one thing I forgot to mention maybe in the scuffle of the whole, the the idea that he, it wasn't just that he had too much pace going into that second apex, going to yeah. that second turn, sorry. It was also that, as I said at the start, Hamilton coming out of the pit is going, has like one speed curve, right? Imagine his like curve, right? Where he's like gaining speed actually before he gets to that turn and then is losing it. Verstappen's is totally different because he's coming in with so much speed. So while it looks like in the turn, they were close to each other. Verstappen was not racing with him into turn one at all. 
So the delta, that he, the, almost like the braking delta that they have is totally different. Hamilton's braking less to take turn one. Verstappen's braking way more. So he almost, he catches up with him mid between the two turns you know what i mean like faster he, than he, he would have if they had been like fully drag racing exactly if they had been racing down the straight this wouldn't have happened this way it happened because uh, max was slowing at a slower rate to relative to hamilton so he caught up with him in mm-hmm. the overtake on turn one which is why he ends up kind of sitting in a competitive position for turn two because as you can see if you look at turn one, like if you look at a battle at at this chicane the battle happens on both apexes. There's a defending car and an attacking car. They weren't attacking and defending on the fir- on the way into this at all. Hamilton's ahead of him. Mm-hmm. And so that's basically what happened was he kind of arrived at the scene of the crash late and also, as it happens, probably too fast to, to make the turn. Yeah, I mean... Safely. This is... Like, when the stewards uh, hand down that ruling, like, the, it kind of begins... They, they cite the 50-meter board uh, before you enter the chicane... Uh, which seems to be where they're like, this is kind of where the decision has to be made. And Max mm. gets it wrong because he's not, he isn't at that board. Uh, they say car 44 was significantly ahead of car 33, Max's car. Uh, car 33 braked late and started to move alongside car 44. But by that point, as far as the stewards go, it's already moot. Like it, like it doesn't matter if they get side by side in that apex. It, at the point where Max needed to make the call, do I have this corner or not, he made the wrong decision. And the argument as well, uh, I've seen some critics make, is that um, I think Autosport mentioned this in an editorial. Max was going to go straight off the course uh, through that apex if there hadn't been a Merc in the way. Um, because like he was carrying that much speed. And once the car was unsettled by those curbs, um, like it was going to be tough for him to gather it back up Hmm. um and so like his misjudgment in some ways is a little bit masked by the fact that there was this crash that made it look like sort of a side-by-side wheel banging uh when in fact like he he'd gotten it wrong um the thing is though i'm like this is also maximum racing incident like and this is this is the funny <laughs> yeah. thing. Like he gives a really dickish radio message that certainly becomes incriminating in the body of work argument around Max. Like I think it's going to make it tough totally. for him to get calls down the road because like, and Christian, pardon, right? And Christian, sorry to interject. Yeah. I, I it comes up in the emails, but sorry, go ahead. Yeah. So like I think when he sort of says that. Um, he's sort of again putting that marker down of if you don't give me space, like we're gonna we're gonna have accidents. Um, and that's always been sort of his approach. I don't think he did anything really wrong here. Like he he tried it. It was fair to try. He damn near he damn near made it. Uh, you know, it's a championship on the line between them. I'm not here for. I saw him say this reaction of like it's such a shame we have these accidents and it's not settled with good racing. This is good racing. Like they were competing hard for a corner. Sometimes it goes bad. Sometimes they pull a rabbit out of the hat and they both go through side by side and we all cheer. But it's all part of like good racing. I think it just in this case it broke bad. And it broke bad in a really scary way because of the real villain in the story, the sausage curbs. Um mm. which is that the fact that it is physically possible 
for an incident like that to result in a Formula One car whipping around like that at someone's head, that's a big problem. You know what I mean? But that's not Max's fault. Like, it should have just been maybe a tank slapper or a wheel bang. Um, And instead, it nearly turns into a catastrophic accident because these sausage curves were just used so extensively to discourage cutting corners like this. Um, I didn't know they could do this. I didn't know that, like, there was a possibility if this series of events happens where it bounces, the rear wheels touch, power's going through one, all bets are off. Like, that's new information, very scary information. Um, But I don't think that's on Max, and I don't think it's because of anything he did. Um, I'm not even sure I'd have penalized it. Um, It it was sort of a, everyone everyone, uh, was taken out of the race. It sucks, but... um, have you seen Massey's quotes regarding the curbs? No. So I think what, it's a recent article here on Autosport. He yeah. says, uh, in that in that situation, I think the sausage curb works quite well in that particular corner. It was a driver's <laughs> choice. You can drive into a curb or go to the left of it, uh, which we saw numerous times that that happened over the course of the weekend. Mm-hmm. A number of people in similar situations chose to go th- to the left through those little bumps and rejoin. Yeah, yeah but... I'm, sim- I'm sympathetic to that. Like, I do think that... I don't know what I like. I they have laser fast, like quick decision making skills, but I don't really know what Max was doing. <laughs> like, like I hear what he say. Like, I think he just wanted Hamilton to make a bunch of space for him up the inside. But like, uh, yeah, I don't he, know why he would ever think that either. Because yeah. like, as we have seen with Verstappen being like the whole, he wants to be the Senna. If you know. If he, if there's a gap, I'm going to go for it. And, uh, you know... And Hamilton better. wants to be the center that will give you the option of going off the track or crashing. Well, yeah, yeah, but... Yes, I think when you look at the totality of this in Silverstone, I can kind of see that maybe. Well, I guess it was roles reversed there, but... Uh, but also, yeah, like Hamilton, I think to be diplomatic to Hamilton, I think Hamilton won't ever yield. So what ha- for what Max needed this time wasn't for Hamilton to, like, leave a gap for him. They were on a chicane. <laughs> like, he doesn't have to leave a fucking gap for him. And there ain't much gap he, to leave. Well, Not at these speeds. No. Like, like uh, yeah. what's Lewis supposed to do? Like, take avoiding action is basically what Verstappen is expecting. So, like... And he knows that he's not going to do that. And presumably he knows the sausage curb is there. And if he... That's a really nasty place to hit a curb because there's no runoff. It's one of the few gravel traps left in this entire track, and also there's going to be a Mercedes in the way in a second. So, it. I think it. You know, on further inspection, I do think Verstappen had a bit of a brain fart doing this one, but also they met in this weird scenario where he was just carrying so much more speed. So maybe he just misjudged it. You know, it's hard. It's hard. So people should read. I'm curious if like what you guys make of this when we talk about it next week. Uh, Autosport ran a piece by their editor in chief, uh, like Kevin Turner, about like Verstappen basically making this kind of a miserable title fight, and it's really interesting mm. because there's a few things at play. One is that there's a long-standing feeling among non-UK drivers in F1 that the UK-dominated press that covers F1, that most of the coverage generated around F1, is English language and based out of the UK has always been a bit biased, and this goes back years, where like they turn non-English drivers, non-British drivers, into the villains of these stories. So I try to bear that in mind. Turner's piece, though, is full of like quotes on background, basically, where 
the feeling among people around F1 is that Hamilton, in the end, has tried to avoid incidents. Uh, in multiple cases, you can see at the start of this race, you could see when they sort of went through uh, that first chicane on the first lap, Hamilton does back out and, like, give yeah. space. Um, apparently, like, he did it at Imola as well. Um, when it comes time to sort of exercise similar judgment, Max doesn't. Max takes the position of uh, either you move or I'm going through you, um, and it doesn't it doesn't go well. And I think Hamilton has read correctly that again we mythologize things like Senna, where it's like you know mm. if I can get in your head, if I know you'll yield, I'll just I'll just go through, which is kind of a ridiculous and irresponsible thing to do <laughs> in motorsport. But I think Hamilton has correctly read that like at a certain point you have to draw the line and be like. I've given you all the racing room I can. If you are going to force this issue and cause a crash, that's on your head. Um, so I, I don't know. It's It was an interesting piece uh, just because it was sort of trying to give this this broader context of, if you look at holistically at the history of their encounters, Hamilton is sort of the hard but fair racer. And Max tends to generate these situations uh, where... Either you surrender, basically, uh, or there's going to be a crash. And in a title fight like this, there's no, like, the guy can't surrender. Like, Hamilton can't give, can't just cede a spot that he should have. Uh, so it was an interesting editorial because it, it is doing that work of, like, making the case against Verstappen. But on the other hand, this is also classic UK press stuff of we love our guy, we don't like that guy. I also saw some tablecloth uh, math on on a Twitter post, which I didn't read too, too much into, but it brought up an interesting question, which is that Max has suffered from these crashes more, perhaps, because he is in a faster car. He is in a car that seems to be doing better on Sundays. He is in a car that, you know, is able to uh, win on the day via strategy or just race pace. And if that's the case, then, you know, points are... <coughs> Sorry, the goat, the Red Bull disease is catching me here, so I'm trying to stop me from speaking. Um, the uh, if that's the case, then you know these are points left on the table that if he's in a scenario where he actually you know beats out Hamilton, so it's interesting. Uh, I don't think it's the last time we're going to see these two hit either. It, it, I don't. The one thing I will say, and it comes up in emails, is you can tell you could tell right away that Red Bull was not. Christian Horner wasn't screaming down the telephone on this one. Like, they kind of knew that maybe it was their fault. Well, Max doubles down on Twitter saying, quote, the incident could have been avoided if I had been left enough space to make the corner. Uh, You need two people to make that work, and I feel I was squeezed out of it. (laughs) Takes two to tango, bro. Yeah, and the passive voice here is just choice. His his post-race Twitter things are way worse always than what he says on camera i don't know what all the post race silverson stuff when he was like why was hamilton celebrating well how dare he celebrate winning his home grand prix like it's he's I, such I, a little piss artist on there Instagram is something and so like, unlikable about parts of his personality and i like time, max yeah but yeah. on twitter it's like she like it's like people with me people like me but i'm an asshole on <laughs> <laughs> I, but i'm still i still think it's crazy for massey to be out there being like Curbs are doing great. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> and we just saw, like, 
the car tried to roll a critical hit on the greatest driver yeah. of our generation. Like, are you kidding me? Um, I don't like that is that is wild to me that we're saying that's working as intended. But at the same time, um, I do understand why they kind of want those curbs there. Because you give these fuckers an inch, like Perez, they will take a mile. Where it's yes, like, yes. hey, I, I gave I gave the advantage back at a time and place of my choosing. Uh, and so, like, you do need something to like if you don't create some sort of physical cost to like this will fuck your car up if you cut this chicane. There will be drivers who will be like, oh, gee, uh, I was a little confused. I ended up ahead out of that chicane. Um, we'll figure it out in a lap or two. Hamilton, though, is not immune to these sorts of um, things that you were mentioning, Danny, because he, he also threw down after the race saying, quote, I did see Max get out and just walk by. I found that a little, little surprising because ultimately, I think when we go out and when we do have incidents, the first thing we want to do is make sure if the guy that we crashed into or we collided with. But Lewis, okay. you were trying to reverse out from under him while That's he's trying to thing. dismount from his car. Yeah, yeah, that was wild. And medical driver Alan Vandermeer said on Twitter um, when when asked, like, why wasn't the medical car uh, sent out for Lewis? Quote, uh, nothing to suggest that our presence was necessary. If Lewis's comms, uh, radio comms or behavior on video feed would have hinted at an injury, we would have gone. Uh, he was clearly trying to drive the car and Max's car was not blocking his egress from the cockpit. So, Yeah. Come on. Yeah, he was fine. It, and also, like a, you're right. He was trying to like reverse. I was. I thought it was insane. He was trying to reverse. What if it had like, worked and and Max is midway out of his car and the yeah. Red Bull gets dropped like two feet? Uh, like, I don't know. Not <laughs> just or like, yeah. Or I, that yeah, that Red Bull hits the ground. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if pieces of carbon fiber pop off. Like something detaches. Like it just seems it's simply not on. It's not on. Also, like, there's no way his front wing is going to survive reversing F1 under a car. Like, I mean, you got to try, right? I guess. If, yeah, yeah, but I just, I'm, I laugh. gravel trap like, works. Why isn't Max trying to check on me as I try to trip him with an <laughs> F1 car? Are you kidding me? God. Yeah. All right. We get a safety car. A bunch of people pit. The grid after that is now Ricardo in first, Leclerc in second, Norris in third. Then we've got Perez, Sainz, Botas, who we haven't even mentioned yet, but is putting on a show of his own, tearing through the field from the back. Uh, Stroll in seventh. Then we've got Alonzo, Russell, Latifi rounding out the top ten. Ocon, Kubica, Vettel, Schumacher, Giovinazzi back in the race, and Mazepin in 16th. Everybody else is out. Restart. Lap 30. Danny. The boy. The boy Norris. He's got the speed. He's got it in him. Uh, Ricardo gets a good exit um, out, out of uh, the uh, uh, the previously known as the Parabolica, the Curva Alboreto. Um, uh, Norris is a great toe, though, behind uh, Charles Leclerc. And on the way into turn one, almost has him, almost makes it work. Uh, but he gets a great exit as they go towards Curva Grande. Uh Nars actually kicks up some dirt on the uh, entrance to Curva Grande, going so tight on the inside. He's almost side by side on the entrance to Curva Grande, which is always a great sign that he's probably going to get this. I this was my butt clench moment of the season. I went, I like recoiled in my seat and went, "Oh my god!" Like I I couldn't believe that he was that fast, that close, taking that angle. It was like the bravest overtake of the whole uh, uh, 
day. It was terrific. And uh, yeah, he had uh, he had second place going around the outside of him as it, well, or blocking around the outside, taking up the inside of uh, Leclerc. And uh, it's it's on for. There's something magical about Monza. We, we in recent years we've gotten these weird wins, mm-hmm. and right now it's Zach Brown's wet dream happening. <laughs> uh, Perez tries. <laughs> Perez tries his luck on Leclerc at the same place, but doesn't have quite the advantage into the chicane and has to bounce over the curbs to take the position. Uh, Brundle immediately says that he'll have to give the place back, and indeed the stewards agree, handing Perez a five-second penalty for leaving the track and gaining an advantage. Didn't he do this in the sprint he as did. well? He did. He did. Yeah. He and held <laughs> on to it for like half a lap and gave yeah. it back on like the straight, I want to say, and then just like regained it. Um, yeah. yeah. He like got the toe and then took it back. Yeah. It was like, like I, what is, maybe this podcast is going on, we can't get into it right now, but we should talk about Paris at some stage. But in particular, his, his weirdness with cutting corners like this has happened a couple of times in races where he's not given places back it's like like this seems pretty cut and dry if you overtake sometimes you can do it take the penalty and it doesn't matter right yes that's true um this was not one of those times this 20 was not laps one of those left times. in monza yeah no also and- uh mazepin hit schumacher and spun him around so cool yeah. stuff still happening to haas uh <laughs> god that that relationship is awesome i can only imagine how cool that garage is um but yeah, no, Perez, I feel like the form hasn't been great of late, and there's been a bit of bad luck, but also I sure am being reminded of the kind of like avoidable miscues that sort of marked his time with uh, Racing Point. Yeah. Uh, be- because like this decision, like both in the sprint and then to push the luck on race day with the cutting the corner and gaining a lasting advantage. Uh, and then like when they give him the penalty Horner was like I would have expected uh the stewards to let me know it was an issue and Michael Massey's like we we told you that they should probably consider giving that place back immediately right um and so kind of avoidable errors and I don't know like I don't know if these are Perez decisions or if Perez is just kind of like getting these corners wrong and the pit wall is not being forceful enough with him but like totally I, I, an own I goal and a great example of his lack of uh, of his, I don't know, prickliness as a number two driver, as it were, is on lap 43, Bottas overtaking him for points. Like, Perez isn't isn't banking the points the team needs in a race in which the other driver's out. I will you know say, I mean? there's not much he can do, because this is the thing, like, Red Bull has a better oh, I, engine. I, I don't necessarily mean with Bottas overtaking him. I think that's going to happen. Yeah. But like in in doing stuff like t- jumping a curve on a chicane where oh, anything can happen, the following like, positions. Yeah, yeah. Ju- just like just you know keep it keep it steady. No unforced errors. Don't get a don't get a yeah. time penalty where you're going to drop a bunch of places at the end. Like just like keep it keep it steady. He's, he doesn't really. Oh, quick thing for a brief moment. It was like, hey, is is Valtteri going to win this race? But he had to go to the medium tires uh, yeah. in the middle of all this, and it was uh, you know like Samson cutting his hair. Uh, you know he just he had all that power on the hards, but man, those those mediums uh, just sort of washed away uh, in the final leg of this race. I don't know that there's anything he could have done to catch those McLarens, given how much time was left and how long it took him to uh, clear Perez. But the mediums definitely did mark the end of his charge through the field. Mm. 
Yeah, he, he does get by Leclerc um, with a, a decisive move around the outside of turn one after coming down the start finish straight. But that's kind of it for his tires. Um, so, uh, the, yeah, the, the, the questions come down to will McLaren let Norris, who is faster, uh, buy Ricardo? Norris even comes over the radio asking, like, is this really what's best for the team? And they're like, yes, don't do anything stupid. Um, and if that's the case, if, if Norris does hold station behind the slower Ricardo, will he be compromised by Perez? Uh, or indeed Botas, if Botas can get by Perez. Uh, in the end, though, Ricardo and Norris fend off everyone. Botas stays within five seconds of Perez to take third place, meaning Ricardo wins his first Grand Prix since Monaco 2018 when he was with Red Bull. And McLaren get their first win since 2012. Is that right? Yeah. Uh, Hamilton, an incredible right? redemptive arc for both of them. Ricardo, of course, having jumped ship from Red Bull uh, and McLaren having untold troubles with Honda and Renault engines. Uh, an incredible podium. Daniel Ricardo, Lando Norris, and Valtteri Bottas. Um, Bo- behind Bottas them, avoiding the shoey at all costs once again. He's a pro <laughs> shoey yes. avoider. He really is. Uh, behind them, just off the podium, Charles Leclerc in fourth. Good race from him. Um, Sergio Perez in fifth, and Carlos Sainz in sixth. I'm sure the Ferraris would have wanted to do much better uh, at, at Monza. Certainly much better than the McLarens, who they are racing for third in the Constructors' mm. Championship. But still, I guess all things considered, not a bad run. Lance Stroll in seventh, Fernando Alonso in eighth, George Russell in ninth, Esteban Ocon in tenth. Then we've got... Uh, Nicholas Latifi, Sebastian Vettel, Antonio Giovinazzi, Robert Kubica, Mick Schumacher, and then the not classifieds, Nikita Mazepin, Lewis Hamilton, Max Verstappen, Pierre Gasly, and Yuki Tsunoda. Also, Ricardo scored the fastest lap. Yeah. Uh, also, Latifi was uh, qualified ahead of Russell for the first time ever, I believe, and was in the points for most of this race until time caught up with the Williams and also George Russell. Yes. Uh, and that was Monza. Boy, um, we are we're getting late in the game here, so let's just jump right into news, shall we? We've got some more yeah. driver confirmations, uh, as mentioned, as rumored. Alex Albon confirmed in at Williams. Uh, we'll pair Nicholas Latifi um, next year. Uh, Vettel also probably staying with Aston Martin. Um, the I think Lawrence Stroll has said like, yeah, we want Vettel, so we we hope to sign him quickly. I, I guess Vettel's holding out for something. Don't really know what's up with that. Um, the only one we have not yet confirmed is um, uh, Giovinazzi. Gio, That's kind of the yeah. the one up in the air. I think Mick Schumacher also has not been technically confirmed, but we we expect that to uh, to also be confirmed. Um, also, I wanted to point out that I was wrong about Russell's contract being one year. I didn't see any confirmations one way or the other, so I just assumed it was one year, but I, I, I saw somewhere else that it was a long-term contract. Okay. Um, these things are always kind of slippery, so question marks, but, um, but it has not been definitively said that it is a one year. It does remind me of one thing. Um, Botas seems relaxed now that the uncertainty has lifted the last yeah. couple races um and i do wonder like does getting a multi-year contract for a change rather than doing this one year one year one year thing with mercedes uh does just the stability that he has going to alpha um like i wonder if that was just a bigger like- load off than he expected or or like the last weeks of your job you know yeah. you just don't give a shit you're just like yeah whatever 
<laughs> senioritis. Like yeah. be like being afraid you're gonna fired. You're gonna be fired. Bad. Knowing you've been fired, but you got to serve out a contract. Great. <laughs> uh, Rob, do you want to give us a quick version of what you found about uh, Aston Martin here? Oh, yeah. Uh, so they're building a massive new facility. Um, if you go back and you listen to Beyond the Grid uh, that they had with Omar Safnauer like two years ago, uh, they were in the old Jordan Grand Prix uh, like facility. Um, and Safnauer apparently like interviewed for a job uh, in that building like 20, year, 20 30 years ago. Oh, wow. um, but that also means it was an antique. Uh, it was a like Jordan was never a really like top flight operation. Uh, the facility was you. never top flight, um, <laughs> and so by this point it was just really up. You know, as they say, not fit for purpose. Uh, so Lawrence Stroll has signed off on a massive new uh, campus, uh, estimated costs between 150, 200 million pounds. Wow. A uh, lot of shade being thrown at the McLaren Technology Center, uh, which we always <laughs> get those beautiful shots of in yeah, the Netflix gorgeous. series. Yeah, And basically, what the marker they put down here is we're not building some sort of architectural showpiece the way that Ron Dennis did uh, with the MTC. Uh, we are building just a good fucking factory uh basically because apparently the other rap on the mtc is that it's hard to like it's kind of an inflexible space um people don't like the open plan concepts that are in there but also mm. the stuff you need to run an f1 operation changes uh over time and the way you want to lay it out changes over time and the mtc doesn't jive with that uh so aston martin very proudly being like we're going to build the un-MTC. <laughs> wow. All right. Um, so that's it for news. Uh, you can also join our Fantasy League if you want to get in on this craziness uh, with a link in the show notes. From Italy, the top three in the league are from Finland, Dog Bottom. Uh, number two, from Canada, Turn One Shenanigans. And number one in Italy, from the UK, Livin' La Vida Ocon. Oh, that's beautiful. But overall, standings look like a this. From the USA, hitter for Danny Rick. Don't know what that means. Canada, uh, in second spot, is the Canadian team. Uh, ben Van, it was fun while it lasted, who has been usurped by, from Australia, Scuderia d'Italia del Made in Italy racing team. <laughs> Uh, Ricardo, by the way, throwing out some Italian on the yeah. post-race interview. Very impressed. Didn't know he was actually like proper fluent like that. I think Coulthard was also taken aback. Yeah. I was because he's not like there's. He's of Italian descent, right? But like he's never been. Yeah, I don't know any Irish. Yeah. Coupla <laughs> Fuckle? Excuse me. You son of a bitch! <laughs> How dare you! Uh, you can also hit us up on email at shiftf1podcast at gmail.com or f1.cool slash emails. We haven't read a lot of emails in a while because we've had these back-to-back races, but uh, even though we're getting a little long in this episode, let's still kick these off, Danny. Yeah, let's jump in. This uh, first one, Rob, you want to take this from Curtis? Yeah. 
Curtis writes, Some people have complained that the sprint qualifying this year has been boring, but I really hope Formula One sticks with the idea beyond this season. So far, both weekends with sprint qualifying have resulted in really interesting races. The sprint itself is a bit of a procession, so I wouldn't hate the idea of some minor tweaks to that aspect. But I think the reduced time to set up the car before qualifying results in a more compressed field, which in turn causes some shuffling of the starting grid for Sunday. What are your thoughts on sprint qualifying so far, and are there any changes to it you'd like to see added for next year um it's a good point it does seem like it's generated some interesting races but even if the sprint race itself was not terribly interesting so that's if if ultimately the goal is to serve setting up a more interesting competition on grand prix sunday i do think it is maybe showing some promise but how it's arriving that is a bit fluky you have things like this week you know the thing that stops this from being a Botas processional is that he had already committed to an engine change mm. um, and Hamilton gets this like bulky start. I think it does seem to like it throws another bit of chaos into how the final starting grid can be formed. I'm not sure I'm sold on it as like the cure to what ails dynamic racing in F1. Yeah I'm, yeah, I'm I'm in a similar spot where I think the two tracks we've done them on have been great and I've enjoyed having more racing. It's always been a thrill on a Friday to see qualifying yes, going on. Like I'm I've always like, oh, why? Yeah, like I forgot. This is awesome. This is this is fun. So I'm into that. I think it makes the whole race weekend that much more enjoyable. Um, yeah, I'm pro it for now, but I don't I don't know if it's been like revolutionary or anything. But uh, I'm I'm glad we've done these at least and. Based on these, I'd be happy for them to do a similar thing next year where at least they try it at a couple of spots. Yeah, nothing to add. I'm uh, I'm with you guys. It, uh, I I don't know. It's it's interesting, I guess, still, and I'm not I'm not fully sold on it, but I don't know. I I don't I don't hate it, I guess. Yeah. Uh I'm going to take this next one from John and now that we have had Sorry, now that we are past the adjustment period for getting used to the change of car, is Perez underperforming as the second seed at Red Bull? Seems like he's not getting as hard a time as Albon and Gasly were, even though this is the first time he is in the top five since the Styrian GP, which was six years ago. Racist. Um, sorry, six races ago. Jeez. <laughs> um, hasn't been that long since he, uh, since he had his win. Uh, so... Yeah, what are we thinking? What are we thinking about Sergio Perez? I think the past couple of races maybe haven't been kind to him. Um, but uh, what is your guys' prognosis of Perez, given, you know, he said it would take five races to get up to speed, and it seemed like he was kind of at the tip of a curb there, and I'm not so sure how he's done since then. Yeah, I'm, I'm inclined to agree with a lot of what Rob was saying earlier, that he he is sort of having these, I don't know if you'd call them lapses, because they, they seem pretty intentional but um it i i always thought that red bull wanted a dependable steady stable number two to verstappen um which is why gasly and albon kind of by virtue of the fact of them having not a lot of experience were a poor fit and so when they signed perez i was like oh perfect yeah he's like he's he's steady he's been around a while he'll be a great number two but then we've seen him have these kind of erratic um, uh, events happen to him, and so I that that puzzles me a little bit. 
I think, like, for one, for one thing we shouldn't forget is all these guys who preceded uh, Perez, like, looked bad in relative to Max. Like, again, there's the assumption that that car is dominant. It may not be as dominant as it looks. It's just that Max has got a lot of pace, and that is worth a lot. You know, the things we say about Russell, they might be equally true of, of Max, where it's like there's mm-hmm. pace that he gets out of a car that is very hard to compare well with. Uh, it's, again, maybe we take for granted that, okay, well, Botas is doing what a number two driver should be doing at minimum. That might actually be quite an achievement uh, to be that reliable and steady to, to bag all those points uh, right behind your teammate. I think Perez has probably been a bit of a d- disappointment. I think what's different about the conversation this time around is Red Bull left themselves no outs. They have shot the they, they have shot the last two drivers out of a cannon. And with this one, they were like, we're giving up on cultivating a like hot young talent in the number two spot at the primary team. And we're going to go to a steady old hand. And really similar things are happening. I will say, I do not feel, we've talked about these lapses, I don't think they're of a kind with what we saw from Perez, uh, that with, from Albin, oh, um, yeah. where Albin had bad luck exacerbated by some really bad judgment. Um, and we are not getting that as badly from Perez. And Gasly just looked bad. Uh, to start out his time at Red Bull, and they didn't give him time to uh, rally. But at this point, yeah, overwhelmed. I would say Gasly seems like the stronger driver, but Red mm-hmm. Bull have left themselves no outs. They're not gonna. They're not able to unring that bell. It's funny. I I, I do. I think Perez had like a, a fairly strong start to the season, even though he, you know. I, I'm a, I'm on the side maybe of I think recent races haven't done him well. Mm-hmm. I think he had a bad Silverstone. He retired in Hungary. He was uh, basically at the back at Spa. He did win that race on his sixth race in Baku, and he was like fourth and fifth and bouncing around there, and he got a podium and a Paul Ricard. So like he's he's put in the points. Um, the recent run has had Leclerc sort of chomping at his ankles a bit because Perez is in fifth with 118, as it reads here, and Leclerc is at 104. Like, Norris is ahead of Perez, um, and Norris is ahead of Perez because of his consistency. He's sort of always kept up there, and he's you know, he's also had a couple of podiums. Um, but I, I, I wonder, with the back end of the field, the, the rest of the year, maybe he'll tighten up a little bit some of the... Because it's always a perception thing. Like points wise, he's not doing poorly. He's not, mm-hmm. you know, he's not fighting for the championship, but he's doing all right for his first season in the car. Um, so I hope it's just sloppiness. I think it's it's the type of racing decisions you don't expect from a veteran, and I think that casts a, a bit of a shadow on on how we perceive him. At least for me personally, it does. Yeah, a lot yeah. more season left though. Um, this next one, Drew, do you want to take it from Dan? Yes, from Dan. Dan says, hey, chaps, if Verstappen uh, takes a new power unit for the next race, would his three-place grid penalty stack with it and essentially be null and void? I don't know that we mentioned that uh, Verstappen, after the stewards um, ruled against him for that incident with Hamilton, they gave him a three-place penalty uh, for the grid at the next race. Um, it would be a shame if he can use a loophole to escape justice because he needs to be taught a lesson. How about that then? Um, so my understanding is that the three place penalty, uh, is only for the next race. So 
if they take the engine penalty and have to start from the back of the grid or from even further um that those would just combine basically he would he would essentially be serving that three place grid penalty as well it would not carry on to the following race so this would maybe be a good point for them to to take a new engine it uh we we think that both Verstappen and Hamilton will at some point in the rest of the year have to take um a new engine uh and uh and get those big penalties so maybe it'll be Sochi that uh, that Red Bull does that yeah it's a tricky uh tricky circuit for overtaking is like two spots basically where you want to get it done turn one 13 so maybe a more advantageous track to do it on will be somewhere else um yeah i guess we'll yeah. have to wait and see um uh, this one from nick hey all love the show which got me into f1 do you think red bull's abundance of talking horner helmet marco after the silverstone race on the radio to michael massey anytime they see anything in mercedes or even under investigation by the stewards has come back to bite them a bit here the restraining, sorry, the restrained tone of Horder and lack of team radio histrionics broadcast at the crash made it immediately feel as if Red Bull realized that Max might be a fault or was a fault. There, uh, where do you come down on actively advocating for teams slash drivers slash fairness versus being whiny? This was like night and day for me as well. In the in the immediate aftermath and also in the post race interviews, like I got the sense that they knew that maybe. Max was, you know, they they see the data, they see how much speed he's taking into this corner and and where he is, and they know what the conversations about the sausage curbs have been. Like, it did feel a bit like, oh, the the queen doth protest too little. Yeah, I think they're... So, I mean, Mercedes even pointed this out. Like, Andrew Shovlin actually said, like, look, you know they're in the wrong because they weren't uh squawking about it nonstop. Like when Red oh Bull shuts off, you know you got him. Uh and so I, I kind of do suspect that. I think Red Bull, it's a combination of things. Christian Horner fucking loves stirring shit. And Toto matches, like they go at it. They're really kind of arrogant dudes. It can be e- easy to miss with Toto because he's like so dry and uh yeah. like but but it's definitely there if you listen to interviews with him helmet marco loves being part of the show and loves just sort of firing from the hip about like here's what i think is going on in the world of racing like if he weren't a team principal he would still be doing this stuff um and then you got max who's got that horrible <laughs> instagram presence so i think it's a combination <laughs> of factors um but i do think it is i i think they're not doing themselves favors by like setting this framing and expectation around themselves. And I think it's going to make it uh, tough to get calls when during the sprint race, when um, they, the stewards warned uh, Perez about that. Did you catch the message from the Red Bull sporting director to Michael Massey? I can't remember. Like, Sounded a lot like Christian Horner, um, but it was... Oh, the, yes, the I do director. remember this, yeah. And it was like chewing out a waiter who got your order wrong. Yeah, it yeah. was It was bad. And, like, I know that the people administering the rules and everything are supposed to be, like, just not let it get under their skin. But at the same time, I do think, like, at a certain point, you need to show a little bit more composure and poise. Um, otherwise, you're not going to get those marginal calls. Hmm. Yeah, Massey's tone was very much like, 
hey man i just work here i i will i will pass on your concerns to management (laughs) slash the stewards rob you want to take this last one from anthony yeah hey guys love the podcast always look forward to hearing what you guys have to say curious to hear your thoughts on the fact that according to fia event stats antonio g clocked the fastest speed trap set in the Alpha at Zanvert last week, equal with Vettel, and the second fastest time this week at Monza. Going back to Hungary, going to ignore Belgium because of the rain, Kimi tra- clocked the fastest time, and Giovinazzi wasn't too far behind in sixth. How freaking fast is that car going Going to go next year with Botas behind the wheel? <sighs> when were First those all, fast times set? Uh, I can't believe I haven't been calling him Tony G this whole time oh my god tony G. now we need him to stay in f1 so we can change his name uh that's his cousin tony from G. new jersey uh i mean i'm actually i'm actually really curious uh if if this is an interesting opportunity for botas to sort of uh drag this team uh because fred Risser seems kind of frustrated uh that the results aren't there that yeah. being said are these are these qualifying speed traps or are they race pace uh, speed traps? Because there is a garbage yeah. time effect in F1 as the cars lighten up and you find yourself in like no man's land in good air. Uh, you can set some fast fast speeds, um, but not necessarily have put together a good race. Uh, so I'm I am a bit curious. Yeah, I mean, the, the Williams for the last few years have been the cars that uh, often get fastest in the speed trap yeah um just because they you know <laughs> don't have a lot of aerodynamics going on and so they can go real fast in a straight line but well when you come to a turn maybe maybe a bit tougher <laughs> yep yeah these pesky turns i know they're all over the place ban them <laughs> uh i am i am excited for for botas getting behind the wheel of of the alpha though i'm excited I, for williams um, man like honestly both yeah. like i think I think the back of the grid, Haas may be accepted, might be moving closer. Like, there might be more of an extended mid-pack. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think it could be some good racing back there. Yeah. Uh, speaking of some good racing, let's run down the standings here. Max Verstappen still on top and still five points ahead of Lewis Hamilton because they both went out of the race together. Uh, <laughs> Am- uh, Verstappen's got 226.5. Lewis Hamilton has a 221.5. Uh, Valtteri Botas is in third with 141. Lando Norris has 132. Sergio Perez is in fifth with 118. Charles Leclerc has 104. Carlos Sainz has 97 and a half. Daniel Ricciardo is in eighth place with 83 points, followed by Pierre Gasly with 66, and Fernando Alonso in tenth with 50. Behind them, we've got Esteban Ocon with 45, Sebastian Vettel with 35, Lance Stroll with 24, Yuki Tsunoda with 18, and George Russell in 15th with 15 points. Nicholas Latifi is in 16th with 7, then Kimi Raikkonen with 2, Tony G has got 1, and then Mick Schumacher, Robert Kubica, and Nikita Mazepin have 0. In the constructor standings, Mercedes has 362 and a half points to Red Bull's 344 and a half. McLaren is in third, a solid third, with 215 to Ferrari's 201.5. Alpine's in fifth spot with 95 points. Alpha Tauri with 84. Aston Martin with 59. Williams with 22. Alfa Romeo has three. And Gene Haas and team have zero. 
Uh, in addition to the emails, shiftf1podcast at gmail.com. You can also hit us up on Twitter at shiftf1podcast. I'm at Drew Scanlon. That is at Danny O'Dwyer and at Rob Zachney. That's us around the internet. Should we take it around the world? Let's race around the world. Yeah. We are kicking things off on Thursday with Camp and World Trucks at the Bristol Motor Speedway in Bristol, Tennessee for the Uno 200 presented by Ohio Logistics. Love Uno. Love playing some Uno. Let's play some Uno right now. Reverse. (coughs) Reverse draw four. Um, Then we've got the NASCAR Xfinity Series, also at Bristol Motor Speedway for the Food City. 300 the what city food city welcome to food, food city. city bristol tennessee then we have dtm oh at the tt circuit arson arson yeah we don't have we not, may not be food city but we have wiener schnitzel <laughs> at our city grab a wiener and come to uh, come to arson <laughs> It's in the Netherlands. Uh, World Superbike <laughs> Championship. I love uh, the spirit is... of SNL's Dieter skit lives on uh, <laughs> on Shift F1. Would you like to touch the monkey? <laughs> I would be honored. Uh, they're in uh, Barcelona, Catalonia circuit. Um, for which moto? For uh, World Superbike Championship. Moto oh, yeah. GP, however, is at Misano World Circuit. Marco Simoncelli. Misano, 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 uh, IndyCar is at WeatherTech Raceway Laguna Seca for the Firestone Grand Prix of Monterey. Oh, shit. The Motocross Grand Prix is at Cosodromo Comunale Ladun. Oh, my God. Pa- yeah. Pa- pa- Sting Petri is there. Villeneuve. He's, he's shirt- yeah. shirtless. <laughs> yes, exactly. I am. I must not fear. Fear is the mind killer. Uh, the World Rallycross Championship is in Latvia at the... Uh, Biker Niki National mm. in, in Riga. Riga. And we got NASCAR. That ain't Riga. Nope, Unless it's, it's in... Riga, Delaware. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, they're also in Bristol for the Bass Pro Shops Night oh. Race. You know That's what when COVID the bass didn't come out. get rid of? Bass fishing. <laughs> Uh, and that's, uh, and that's it. No, no Formula One after three weekends in a row. I know, right? Yeah, I was, I was such like a, I was in such a codependent relationship that I prepared a Sochi pre-race for this, <laughs> not, not realizing. So I know that some of the teams and drivers are like, please God, no more triple headers. Yeah. I kind of like them. Like, yeah, they're right. I understand <laughs> if this were my job, it might suck. And yeah. like I, I think that should probably take precedence. Uh, but I didn't mind every Sunday being like, "All right, F one, what do you got for me this week?" <laughs> uh, football's back, so I'm I'm less dependent on it on a week by week basis. I can I can make buy make buy now, so I'm I'm happy. I'm okay with the breaks now. Uh, yes, indeed. Um, if you'd like to support this show and get access to all of our bonus episodes. Oh. Uh, as well as the upcoming Schumacher documentary review episode, okay. as well as the official Shift F1 Discord. You can do so over at patreon.com slash shift F1. Have a good race weekend, everyone. We will see you all next week. Mm-hmm.
Meow.